Welcome to Know Your Rights with Ellen Firestone. Through this podcast series, you'll become educated on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and gain practical knowledge on how to apply what you learn in daily life. Listen and learn about each of the 30 articles and actions you can take to help promote and protect these human rights for yourself and others. Here's your host, United for Human Rights Ambassador and President's Volunteer Service Award recipient, Ellen Firestone. Today we are going to learn about Articles 23 and 24 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Article 23 pertains to the right to work, and Article 24 relates to the right to rest and leisure. Article 23 reads, 1. Everyone has the right to work, to free choice of employment, to just and favorable conditions of work, and to protection against unemployment. 2. Everyone without any discrimination has the right to equal pay for equal work. Three, everyone who works has the right to just and favorable remuneration, ensuring for himself and his family an existence worthy of human dignity and supplemented if necessary by other means of social protection. Four, everyone has the right to form and to join trade unions for the protection of his interests. Article 24 reads, Everyone has the right to rest and leisure, including reasonable limitation of working hours and periodic holidays with pay. We are fortunate to have with us a very special guest who will share his insights on these particular human rights, Mr. Patrick Baltan. Patrick is CEO and President of Hirebox International. He's a keynote speaker, writer, management coach, and trainer. Patrick has an extensive experience in the fields of management, consulting, and training and this on an international basis. He has traveled in more than 39 countries over the last 35 years and has trained over 140,000 people in the areas of personnel selection, people management, sales, sales management, marketing, organization, and leadership. Patrick is also the author of the bestsellers, Taking Off the Mask and No Fail Hiring 2.0. Hi Patrick, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ellen, glad to be with you. So before we get into these articles, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the work you're doing. Well, for the last 36 years, I have been a management consultant and I have been focusing for all those years on talent acquisition and talent onboarding, uh, basically talent acquisition and retention. Mm -hmm. To me, the success of any business or any organization depends on its most important talent, and that is people. Right. Please share your viewpoint on why these particular articles on the the rights of workers and the right to rest and leisure were included in the UDHR as basic rights for everyone. You know, and this document is universal, so it's, it's worldwide. It's not just U.S. focused. Well, you know, I happen to have delivered a lot of services, seminars, recruitment services across the planet. And people tend to forget that the fact that you might be living in America or in any European country doesn't mean that some of your neighbor countries would actually comply with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, especially when it comes to hire and employ people. I have observed in some countries in the world that there are still some situations that call for observation, evaluation, and investigation of 
the employer's routine practice in employing people uh, not always an equal way and not giving them an equal right to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think great. that, you know, from a universal human rights viewpoint, people should be aware of that. The fact that you get paid on an hourly or yearly basis and you know this is what you're going to get paid, well, it does not happen that way all over the world. I would say that for two-thirds of people in the world, equal pay, equal right to work, equal right to enjoy leisure time, uh, they are actually not able to enjoy those rights. Exactly. Right. And what, what has been your experience or observation on equal pay for equal work? In other words, that would be like a fair exchange and it goes both ways that if an employer's paying an employee, obviously you want something in exchange for that. But also if you're putting in a lot of time and effort, you want to make sure that that is fair so that you can have, you know, a sustainability for your, at least your basic needs, your food, your shelter, your clothing, and even healthcare. Yeah, well, interestingly, I mean, this is my personal observation, but even in the Western countries, that equal equal pay has not is not always being implemented rightfully, and it and it's it's interesting that for quite a lot of employers, the gender issue, for example, is still sometimes calling for a discrimination of pay. Now. My direct observation as a professional recruiter is, you know, it's a little bit a two-way highway, right? Mm -hmm. Employers need to definitely do their best to implement and respect those universal human rights. Uh, And when it comes to paying people, that is definitely the case. On the other side, I would also say that employees need to understand that Equal pay for equal work doesn't mean that because of your status, you should get paid so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there is, in my observation, there is a consensus that needs to be better understood between employers and employees. You know, the right of work and the right of equal pay should not be depending on status or on gender. Mm -hmm. Um, It should basically depend more on performance, meaning that, yes, if you perform, if you contribute rightfully to the expansion and success of your organization, you should definitely get paid for it. And more than being paid for it, you should be rewarded for it. Exactly. You see? Yes. So, So what a lot of employers have a difficulty with is to try to communicate properly the message pay should not be based on status it should be based on performance exactly and and even more like pay not necessarily based on time because you you could be in an, in a workplace and and not performing like you said or or yes. not even putting forth effort and contributing to the goals of the organization yes and and in order to be able to implement those universal human rights related to the right of work, the right to get paid. I think that a lot of employers and still in Western countries, it's still, I I still observe that. Mm -hmm. The biggest challenge is to be able as an employer to openly and clearly communicate expectations 
in terms of performance and in terms of production. See, equal pay doesn't mean that the simple fact that you have a diploma should give you the right to get paid more than someone else who does not have that diploma. I think that it should be more viewed like if I perform against the expectations of my employer, I deserve to be rewarded rightfully. And employers still have problems to communicate those expectations. You see, a diploma does not give you the right to be paid. Performance gives you all the rights to be paid, not just equally, but fully, and in terms, in exchange of what you are basically contributing to. Mm -hmm. that, that is excellent. Yes. And, you know, there are some workers in the world making very little money and working long hours. So obviously a violation of these human rights definitely does not ensure an existence worthy of human dignity because there, there are like in some countries, Asia, Africa, where there's very long hours, but they're, they're not even able to pay for food. Right. Yeah. So we need to balance fair pay without moving into more governmental control. Uh, what are some ways that you think we could do that? Yeah, you know, it's, I call it modern slavery. Right. Working almost 18, sometimes 20 hours a day and being paid so little. It is modern slavery. I, I, I think that it's more a matter of raising awareness about those universal human rights. And, and, and again, it's not just for employers that it should be understood, it's also for employees. Mm -hmm. Employees should be able to actually challenge employers about those universal human rights. So we are in the 21st century and yet the majority of the world population is not aware of those universal rights. You know, personally, as a professional recruiter and having trained over 150,000 business owners and executives across the planet, I always like to say that in America, we have a constitution and we have a bill of rights. And part of the constitution is to allow citizens to pursue happiness. Mm -hmm. It's actually a human right, right? Yes. And I, I always like to put that human rights together with the universal declaration of human rights when it comes to, to work. I think that people have the right have a universal right to be happy at work. Mm -hmm. And if every employer on the planet would just take that viewpoint, I want to hire for happiness. I want to hire and part of my commitment to hire people is not just to make profit, but I want to contribute to people's happiness. And my company, my organization should be part of that universal action to ensure that people are paid properly, but they are also, when they contribute properly to the success of my organization, they also have the universal rights to be happy at work, to have enough time for leisure, for family. And it is to me a whole responsibility that should be shared between employers and employees. It's a contract for happiness. I'm going to work for you I'm going to contribute to your organization. And I understand that you're also going to contribute to my economic survival. 
but also to my personal happiness in life. If, see, that should be a contract, a moral contract, more than an economic contract between employers and employees. It, and it is so simple, you know? If, if every employer would tell people when they hire them, I commit myself to contribute to your happiness in life, you, you can imagine how easier it would be to implement those universal uh, human rights. I love it. Yes, there are, there are actually three different human rights that talk about the full development of the human personality. And I think that gets into, you know, your, your full potential, your, you know, what your purpose is. And, you know, if, if employers were focused on really developing their purpose for their workplace, I think employees could see better, are they aligned with that or not? Because if there's, they're out of alignment, obviously there's going to be disharmony. But when they're in alignment, that could lead to this whole or contribute to the whole happiness factor. Well, if you look at it, one of the purposes of work is to be able to pursue happiness. It mm -hmm. gives you the economic ability to actually pursue happiness, whatever it means to you. So if employers and employees across the world could just consider that fundamental human rights, the rights to pursue of pursuing happiness, it would actually make it much more simple to not to enforce, but to naturally want to comply with those universal uh, human rights that are related to work. Mm -hmm. The right Great. to work, the right to play for kids, the right to have happiness in your life. Exactly. Yeah, so we'll get into then to, or talk a little bit about Article 24, which is the right to rest and leisure. And for children, we say the right to play. So the ideal scene would be for work to be play. So what are some ways people can align their own purpose with their work? Well, you know, I will tell you this, there's a lot of uh, statistics that have proven, uh, in fact, Harvard Business uh, School had done some research back maybe eight, 10 years ago to demonstrate that when people have fun at work, productivity can be up to 30% 30, 30 higher. And leaders who make sure that people are happy at work can increase uh, their productivity. And most importantly, they, it can increase their competitiveness by over 20% just by pushing fun at work. Wow. Right? And, and it, it's not just a subliminal message here. It's mm -hmm. down-to-earth, statistically proven that when people are happy at work, your competitiveness as an organization can be improved by over 20%, uh -huh. just by pushing happiness and having fun at work. So oh. I always tell my clients that the most powerful, yet the cheapest tool of leadership that you can use in your organization is happiness. Uh -huh. What does it cost to increase happiness at work? How much does it cost to smile when you arrive at work in the morning and when you ask people, what can we do to have more fun at work? What is the cost of that? And the answer is, it doesn't cost anything. Right. And I'm all for fun at work. So can you comment on the importance of taking time for leisure? 
Yeah, absolutely. It is proven that when you have and you take the time to enjoy life, whatever it means to you, play soccer or spend time with your family, whenever you actually do that, your productivity at work can be improved by over 50%. Working less can actually bring more performance, more productivity at work. And any business owner, any executive, any leader should understand that phenomenon. Working more does not lead to higher productivity. It leads to higher tiredness. It leads to less morale. It leads to more accidents at work. It leads to a higher personal turnover. So give people time to enjoy life. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Patrick. And then you had mentioned uh, earlier about there's still many people that, that do not even know there, that there are 30 human rights. And you know it's one thing here to, to know them, but then actually to get them implemented is a whole other level. So what are some of the ways both individuals and businesses can promote or protect these human rights? I think that it is mostly up to employers. Mm -hmm. I think that employers should be more aware that it is part of the human responsibility as leaders to engage people in, in those human rights. I think that the awareness has to be given from above. Uh -huh. Can you imagine um, if as an employer, a business owner would take responsibility for teaching or making people aware of those universal human rights from a PR viewpoint, that is something that would be amazing. Right. As a business owner, you should position yourself as a defender, as a warrior of those universal human rights. So in my observation, I wish it could come from the bottom, from the grassroots, but I believe that it is mostly a responsibility for employers, business owners, to engage their people into those universal human rights. Thank you, Patrick. Is there anything else you would like to comment on in regards to these human rights or any of the, the 30 human rights? Well, my last comment would be that those universal human rights, when you talk about those rights, most people believe that we are talking about the third world countries. Mm -hmm. right? And we're looking at it as, oh my God, it is very true that in some countries of the world, those human rights are not really complied with and they are not respected. They are not being enforced. But I want to tell you something. It's a universal challenge. This is not just something that we need to look at for those quote-unquote third world countries. In Western world, the universal human rights are not really being known. And I think that the most important challenge is that to create a consensus between employers and employees that you should not be rewarded for status, you shouldn't be rewarded for performance. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in our Western countries, that concept has a tendency to be ignored, to be pushed away. 
meaning that, okay, if I have a diploma, I should be paid more. Well, if you have a diploma and you don't contribute to the success of your organization, uh, why should you be paid more? Now, I'm talking personally, this is my personal opinion, and I know that it does sometimes bring some aggressive reaction. But at the end of the day, someone who works hard and does contribute to the success and to the happiness of the group of the organization definitely deserves to be exchanged properly. So there is a criteria of evaluation that sometimes, if not often, is missing in order to be able to answer the question, how should I basically exchange with the people in my organization? And that should be part of the universal human rights. People should be paid according to their value. But now, how do you evaluate? How do you determine that value? And that value should not be attached to a status. It should be fully attached to your ability and willingness to contribute to the success and to the happiness of your organization. Excellent. Thank you so much, Patrick, for sharing your viewpoint and insights with us today. This is very valuable. And again, you know, people, for people to both know their human rights and do something about it for themselves and others. Yeah, absolutely. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Know Your Rights with Ellen Firestone. To learn more, visit thefirestone.org.